we can be wonderful parents and still have a child who is struggling. And so we've got to start from a, whether you've got a child who's experiencing those things or not, the number one best parenting tool for tweens and teens is empathy. Just because we didn't experience it doesn't mean it's an invalid experience that they're having. Welcome to season three of the Moms That Lead podcast. I'm Terry Schmidt, excited to take you on a journey with some very wise and experienced guests as we build on the foundation that we built in seasons one and two and focus on the messy but incredibly rewarding world of people leadership and team development. And we're going to start in maybe the most challenging place of all to lead, our homes. We're honored to have Christy Keating, parenting coach and CEO of The Heartful Parent and licensed attorney, back on to talk about a topic that is of critical importance, the mental health of our teens and tweens. I learned a great deal from this conversation, and I'm confident you will too. Welcome back to the Moms That Lead podcast, Christy. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to be able to talk with you again. Oh, thank you, Terry. I'm, I was so excited when you reached out and I'm really, really happy to be here. We're going to talk about some good stuff today. Definitely important things, things that our listeners will know, you know, are, are very relevant to me in my life. And I know are, are so relevant to so many out there. And it kind of goes a little bit with our last episode topic that we did together way back in episode 65 about how to raise future leaders. We've been doing a series on well-being for ourselves as leaders and as moms and how we help those that we lead take care of their well-being as well. But we haven't really honed in on the kids that we lead in our own home and looking at their well-being. So I am really looking forward to digging into that today because I think it is so important. It is. And I think you're absolutely right that if we're going to talk about ourselves as leaders, we have to talk about the the people that we're, we're, we're leading and teaching to be leaders. Yes. And that starts right at home. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we dig into that, I'd love to just hear a little bit of an update about what you've been up to since we last spoke. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. Things have been really busy. You know, I continue to see private clients one-on-one coaching clients. And in addition to that, I've got a few big projects on the, on the burner, if you will. The first is, so I run an online membership for parents and I received official licensing from the Positive Discipline Association. So I am remodeling, if you will, the entire membership and re-recording and adding a ton of content Mm -hmm. to that. So that's my big project for the summer because I've got this, now I'm officially licensed, one of, I think, three products in the US that are officially licensed by by the Positive Discipline Association. So I'm super excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it'll be really a wonderful and cost-effective way for parents to, to access the work that I do and, mm-hmm. and the transformation that positive discipline can, can provide. I also am hosting this fall. The dates are still a little bit up in the air, but sometime in October, a summit for parents, it's called the safe parenting summit. Mm-hmm. And it is everything about how we raise children in a safe way. And that's, 
you know, body safety. So things Mm -hmm. like child sexual abuse prevention, which I do a lot of work Mm -hmm. in that space, but also brain safety. Mm -hmm. How do we help our children feel safe and secure so that they can take appropriate risks and become kids, adults who lead, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's looking at safety from a number of different angles and, and how we can raise children without bubble wrapping them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm working in collaboration with a couple other educators, coaches on a, a course for parents on raising middle schoolers. So I hope to have that done and completed by the end of the year. So some big projects on the burner, lots going on. I've got no shortage of things on my to-do list, but it's good. It's been really fun. I can imagine that that sounds like you are very busy and that course for middle schoolers, I think is going to be in very high demand because I think we all know what an interesting, exciting, and sometimes challenging time that can be. (laughs) Yes. Yes. As the mom of a current middle schooler, I can agree mm-hmm. to that 100%. Yes. It's, it's a trip. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, great. <laughs> well, very exciting. Everything you have going on. And we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the episode about how people can learn more about all that. But why don't we jump right into our topic for today? So as I mentioned, we're really looking at our kids and looking at their well-being. From your point of view, you're working with several parents, you're a parent yourself. What are some of the biggest well-being challenges that our kids are facing today? Oh, that is such a good question. And it's a complex answer because there's Mm -hmm. a lot, frankly, there's a lot of challenges that our kids are facing right now. I mean, the big and the most obvious one is the pandemic, which I don't think we fully know the impact yet that that is having and continuing to have on our children of all different ages. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about tweens and teens in particular, we've got a, a a developmental age or phase for those kids where they are designed for connection. I mean, all children are designed Mm -hmm. for connection, Mm -hmm. but they're developmentally designed to start connecting with peers more than with parents. Yeah. And that got taken away from them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in many parts of the country, many families, right. Everything shut down and, you know, depending on where you live, that's opened up in different ways with different levels of, of caution, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. any way you slice it, like this has impacted our children in a major, major way, because we have removed a really critical piece of their development mm-hmm. right in the middle of it. And so, as I said, I think you know, the research on this will, will be, we won't know the full extent of it for years, Mm -hmm. but what we do know is that we are seeing an increase and we were already seeing this before the pandemic, but we're seeing an increase in mental health challenges, Mm -hmm. anxiety and depression in particular, but, but other things as well. We are seeing an increase in suicidality for Mm -hmm. our kids. And it is a little bit hard to tease out is it truly an increase Mm. or are we talking about it more and are people more open about Mm -hmm. what they're struggling with? Mm -hmm. I suspect it's a combination of both of those things. So, so that's one big piece, right? There's Mm -hmm. the pandemic, there's these mental health challenges. We have a number of other things that are really, I think, interfering with our children's well-being. Mm -hmm. The, you know, 
the accessibility to screens yes, <laughs> and the over usage for all of us of screens. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, for many of us as parents, those were in a necessity mm-hmm. in the middle of the pandemic, right? They right, became right. a de facto babysitter. And I'm not about to shame any parent for that because mm-hmm. we were suddenly left without childcare and still having to do our jobs. Right. right, right. But, you know, we, we can't, function or we can't go, go on and pretend that that's not having an impact on our mm-hmm. kid, mm-hmm. um, on their ability to connect on their attention spans on, you know, any number of things that the intense usage and exposure to screens is mm-hmm. having exposure to violence. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a whole bunch of different angles with that. We know that another, I think, threat to the well-being of our of our children in particular, tweens and teens, is exposure to online pornography and the impact that that's having on their view of sex and sexuality mm-hmm. and consent, mm-hmm. right? And so that is having a major impact, which then can feed, and we the research shows it feeds behavior that is not great. And, and then we have kids experiencing trauma as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just a, you know, in a nutshell, <laughs> Yeah. what we're, what we're dealing with, but you know, our kids are not okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate to say that so dramatically, but we have a generation or a couple generations of kids that are experiencing and managing challenges that you and I never mm-hmm. had to deal with. And they're doing it at a time when they don't have fully developed brains and they don't have all of the emotional, healthy, emotional coping mechanisms that we would like them to have. Right. And not that every adult has those either, no. you know, but on the whole, we saw adults come out of the pandemic better than, than many kids hmm. still an increase in issues for adults too. Mm-hmm. mental health challenges, you know, across the board, but many of us had better coping techniques. So yeah, lots of things that are coming at them from every direction right now. Yeah, so many interesting points you bring up. I mean, I, I think if you have a preteen, a tween, a teen in your house, you know how important connection is. But I, I think it's really interesting to think about that and how that is a developmental priority at that it time is. in their life. Yeah. And the way, you know, their brains go through a major restructuring in the teen years with puberty and the, the growth of the prefrontal cortex, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the part of the brain that assesses risk Mm -hmm. and it's where judgment really lives. It's not fully developed until we're about age 25, Mm -hmm. but with all that restructuring and growth going on to take away a critical component of that Mm -hmm. is not without its consequences you know, and the one thing I didn't mention that we also have to add into the, onto that pile is teens are experiencing academic stress. I think unlike anything I recall ever experiencing and they're doing it, you know, for example, so I have a seventh grader at home and this was her first full year back in school since fourth grade Wow! because yeah. fifth grade was interrupted. Sixth grade was mostly online. This is her first year back in school. So she's being asked to, I heard another educator describe it this way. She's being asked to do the academic lifting of a seventh grader Mm. with the muscles of a fourth grader. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. 
that's yeah. really hard to do. And then you add on, and this is the case for my daughter, that now because of the rigorous graduation requirements, like she has classes in middle school that go on her high school transcript mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and can impact her admission to college. So at age 12 or 13, the decisions that she makes impact, you know, what she does at age 18 and beyond. In my opinion, that's crazy pants. <laughs> that's I totally agree. Totally not agree. fair to these no. kids. And I don't know why in the academic world, we're insisting on doing that to them. Mm-hmm. And, and then parents get really uptight about it. And so there's all this pressure put on them academically. And so you layer that on top of all those other things that I mentioned. Yeah. That's a lot for it a is. kid to it take is. on. And like you said, it, it's a lot for an adult to deal with and to do that without having that development time that does give us some of those coping mechanisms that can help us deal with some of those pressures. I think the other thing I see with kids too, and I was listening to another podcast I found really interesting. They were talking about how overscheduled kids are and that really for their mental health, they should have 25% of each day be unscheduled. Yes. And I, I know that we don't do that all the time. And I'm pretty confident that the majority of parents don't look at their kids' days and say, okay, 25% just to do whatever you want. They don't. And, you know, that was one of the good things during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? Is that everything slowed down. And I feel like I'm hearing from families that it's almost picked up to higher levels than before the pandemic because they feel like, oh, we missed it for two years. Exactly. Now we've got to do everything. Yeah. And that was one piece that I had wished would really stick around mm-hmm. is that slower pace because our children do need that downtime. Their yeah. brains need time mm-hmm. to just percolate mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. and grow and, and find ways of being creative, mm-hmm. which creativity is really suffering in children of all ages right now. Yeah. And that's having an impact later in business, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. And in, in the adult world. Yeah. Downtime is so, so important. And I, I love that people are talking about it. I hope that more families are finding ways to work that in and say, yeah, just <laughs> lie on your bed and do nothing if you need to, or right. draw or read a book or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and I would say that downtime off of a screen. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Is particularly important to disconnect from that Mm -hmm. online world, to give our eyes a a break, to give our brains a break and have time. That's just being right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard for all of us these days, I think, because we are so attached to our screens. And I, I know that I've seen, you know, many productivity gurus saying, you know, taking a break by scrolling on your phone is not actually taking a break for your brain. It's not going to help you at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny in my coaching work with parents, one of the things that we focus on a lot is Mm self-care because I don't think we can show up for our kids. Well, if we're not Mm -hmm. showing up for ourselves, well, Mm -hmm. And as we talk about self-care, you know, I always start by asking parents, like, what do you do for Mm self-care? Inevitably, I I get answers like, well, I watch TV or I scroll my phone or I hop on social media. And 
look, I love those things Mm -hmm, too, mm -hmm. but they are not giving our brains and our bodies a break in the way that, that we really Mm -hmm. need to for Mm self-care, you know, and self-care is one of those words that's bantered about and people think it's like a massage and a manicure. It's not, no, no, those things are great too. Right. Right. But it really is deeper than that. And so Mm -hmm. we do, we've got to let our brains off the hook for a little bit too, Mm -hmm. just like we need to encourage our kids to do that. Yeah. And, and definitely something that I think has to be an intentional practice, especially in the world that we live today. Uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of the parents who are trying to get their kids off of devices are probably just as addicted because I know I feel that, you know, you feel that surge when you get a notification and it's a little bit yes. scary that something is happening in your brain. Yes. It, and it does. It causes, right. It's, there's a, a release of the feel good chemicals mm-hmm. when, when those things happen, they are designed to be addictive in the sense that like, you know, those companies make money, the more they get us coming Mm -hmm. back, Mm -hmm. the more they get our kids on those screens, the more money they make. And, you know, thinking of them, we often think of ourselves as the consumer, Mm -hmm. but really we are the product, right? I've heard that. That's such an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. We are what everyone, all the online platforms are competing for. Mm -hmm. And actually that's one of those conversations that I think can be really impactful for teens and tweens Mm -hmm. to start to understand the marketplace of that. Mm -hmm. And that can help encourage them to, you know, because they don't want to be manipulated, right? No, you know, tweens and teens, like if they think we're manipulating them as their parents, Mm -hmm. right. They will push back real quick. Mm-hmm. So we can tap into that instinct mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. by helping them understand the way that they're being manipulated online. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that gets us right into what I was going to ask next, because we've laid out all of the, well, not all, but a, <laughs> a good number of challenges that I think if someone's listening out there, they may, you know, be thrown up their hands and saying, okay, well, there's no hope, you know, Mm -hmm. but I hear in your voice and I know with your passion that, um, you don't believe that you do believe there are strategies that can help us through this time. So I'd love to hear about some of those tips that you offer to parents to help their kids face these challenges. Yeah. So the first thing I would say, the most important thing, and I am not a a therapist, I'm a coach, but the first and most important thing I would say is that if you have a child who is experiencing anxiety, depression, self-harming behavior, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing an increase in that as well. Things like cutting, Mm -hmm. um, suicidality, most important thing is to get them support. Mm -hmm. And we have a broken mental health system in our country And I cannot tell you how many parents say, I can't find a therapist Mm -hmm. for my child. Mm -hmm. And, and so it does take some diligence and, you know, getting on the waiting lists for that support. There are a lot of coaches that work with teens. Mm -hmm. I partner with a, a coach that does work with teenagers. And I'm not suggesting that coaching is always an appropriate substitute for Mm -hmm. therapy. It can often be a lovely complement to therapy. And depending on the challenges that the teen is having, coaching may be sufficient in and of itself. But, you know, I I also hear parents say to me, like, I don't get why my kid is depressed. Mm -hmm. I don't get why they're anxious. This, you know, I, I had a client say, 
this kid has had everything they need at every step along the way, Mm -hmm. right? They've lived in a nice house. They've lived, you know, they've had all the privileges that, that a parent might want to give their child. What in the world could possibly be so wrong in their world? Mm -hmm. You know, that they're experiencing this. And I, I understand why parents struggle with that. And they also see when their child is struggling, we see that as a condemnation of our own parenting. Mm. And, the, and so it's hard to come to grips with that, right? Yeah. And we have to be able to separate that out and understand that we can be wonderful parents and still have a child who is struggling. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to start from a, whether you've got a child who's experiencing those things or not, the number one best parenting tool for tweens and teens is empathy, is trying to step into their shoes, understanding that what we experienced as teens, you know, I grew up in, I'm going to date myself here, but <laughs> my primary teenage years were in the eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. It's a really different world back then. Very different. And you know, understanding that just because we didn't experience it doesn't mean it's an invalid experience that they're having, right? It doesn't mean it's not hard. I think, you know, for that, all that whole list of reasons that we, that we gave and many others, this is a harder time to be a tween and a teen. Mm -hmm. So, so therapy when they need it and empathy, um, you really can never go wrong with empathy as a parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just can't. So starting there Mm -hmm. and then, you know, where do we go from there? So, okay. So we're empathizing with our kids. What next? Right. (laughs) How do we manage all of this? There's a number of different, and we can, we could take this in any number of directions. Mm -hmm. There are a number of things I think are really important. The first is recognizing as parents that it's okay to say this is hard and Mm -hmm. we need support. Right. Mm -hmm. So we might need therapy or coaching as mm-hmm. well to help us strategize with our individual child, because every child's personality is different. Yeah. Every parent's personality is different. And so there's no, there's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Like if you do this, you will get this result. Yeah. Right. I, that would make it so much easier. I don't know why we can't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if I could figure that, that out, I would be a very wealthy woman. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just do this. Your kids will be fine. Although it'll probably be a little boring, but yeah. So parents recognizing when they need some support on board Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. And then I think taking a collaborative approach with our tweens and teens. So I talk about the importance of blending, being kind and being firm. They Mm -hmm. still need boundaries. They still Mm -hmm. need rules. They need to know what is okay and what isn't okay. Mm -hmm. But what they don't need is to have that dictated to them mm. in a, in a militaristic, like it's my way or the highway mm-hmm. fashion mm-hmm. that it does not work with teens. And if you've got a kid who's experiencing, let's say anxiety, for example, mm-hmm. they're anxious about their schoolwork. They're struggling to speak up in class. You can say, darn it. You've got to go into class and raise your hand three times today. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we've got to get really collaborative with them and figure out what are their specific struggles, mm-hmm. right? It, you know, are, is the academic pressure feeling really high for them? Are friendship struggles feeling really high? Are they struggling to connect because connection was taken away for two years mm-hmm. and, and then work with them. We we've got to ask lots of questions. I'm a big fan of getting curious with our yeah. kids, all ages, but especially tweens and teens, mm-hmm. because we can't truly help them 
if we are assuming we know what's going on, but not asking yeah, what's yeah. going on for them. Because we've been through it before, right? Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. We think we know. Right. We don't. And, and so then I hear a lot of parents say, well, my, my tween or teen won't open up. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to look at our communication style with them. Mm-hmm. We've got to be really cautious about the language that we use. Language does matter with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Are we getting judgmental? Are we sending the message that we love them conditionally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If they get an A mm-hmm. and most parents would say, well, of course I love them unconditionally. But my question is, is that the message the child's receiving? Right. Right. Not just so, via what you say, but also via your actions. That's right. Your actions, your facial expressions, mm-hmm. your, your comments, the things that they hear matter to you. Mm-hmm. Are they hearing you say, I love you unconditionally, but you better go get that a, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say we can't set expectations for our children and help guide their behavior. But again, it, we've got to do that in a way that is connecting with them, letting them know that even when they fail, and in fact, I think failure is hugely, hugely important. Mm-hmm. I could, we, I, in fact, I did a 90 minute training for a school last night about the importance of failure Oh, interesting. and why we need to be letting our kids experience mm-hmm. failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could talk about that for a long time. Yeah. The other tool or tip that I often talk to parents about is I think part of the reason, and this ties right into that failure piece, part of the reason that our children are struggling in the tween and teen years is because things get harder. Friendships get harder. School gets harder. Relationships of all types get harder. And we do a really good job in our culture of making things as easy for them as we can, Mm -hmm. as often as we can. Mm -hmm. We do it for a number of different reasons. Love being a big one, but it's not serving them. Mm-hmm. We have to let the kids experience failure so they can experience resilience and perseverance. And one of the key ways that we do that is by requiring them to participate in the work of the family. When I was growing up, it was a given that everybody did chores. It is not at all uncommon for me to hear from families that their children are expected to do nothing at home, that mom does it all, or they pay people to do all of it. and. The research is abundantly clear that children who are required to do chores and participate in the work of the family from a really young age Mm -hmm. on up, they are more successful academically. They're more successful professionally Mm -hmm. because they know the value of hard work and they've experienced that cycle of failing, struggling at something, and then persevering and succeeding. And Um, contributing. And contributing, right? Teamwork, all of Mm -hmm. those things that... I know you talk about with leadership, mm-hmm. right? On mm-hmm. a daily basis. It's amazing how much of those can come out of doing chores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to that, what do you say to a parent who, you know, is talking about how overscheduled their teen is, you know, they're doing hours and hours of homework and then they have their extracurricular activities and you just want to give them a break. So you'll do that chore that day instead of asking them to do it. Yeah. I hear this not at all infrequently. And my response is, look, there are going to be times when we do need to step in and help. So backing up a little bit, the first 
thing to evaluate is, is our schedule, is the schedule that we've set, are all these extracurricular activities, all the classes, you know, Mm -hmm. AP classes and all of that really serving our children. Mm -hmm. Julie Lithcott Hames, who is the author of How to Raise an Adult, Mm -hmm. um, she's an absolutely brilliant TED talk that I, I cannot recommend highly enough talks about the checklist of childhood and this idea that as parents were like, well, they've got to do this and this and this and this to get into this narrow, perfect set of schools and have just the right job and do all that, you know, and we, we have set them up for all these things, but we're not preparing them for the world. Mm -hmm. And so taking a step back and saying, do we need to be doing all of these things? Yeah. That's the first evaluation. I know a lot of families will say, yes, we do. We got to be doing them all. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm not here in a position to argue with that. So what I would then ask is, okay, so don't look at it on a daily basis, but look at it at a, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays, your kid is at sports until 8 PM and doing homework until midnight, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what are they doing on Saturday? Mm -hmm. What are they doing on Friday? Mm -hmm. And can you set out for them a list of things that they are responsible for Mm -hmm. and then let them manage their time? Time management is one of the things we all have to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they want to do them all on Sunday, okay. If they want to spread them out and do one at a time over the course of the week so they get most of Sunday off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But getting into this mindset where we say, oh, they're just too busy to help, I think is a mistake. It's easy to fall into, but it's mm-hmm. not serving them. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've got to really sort of set the expectation and then let them figure out. Mm-hmm. To fit it in. Mm-hmm. And they might need to prioritize too. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And th- that will teach them that too. Yeah. I, I love the idea of Allowing the flexibility, because like you said earlier in our conversation, they're not going to take the dictator style advice very, very well. Uh, And so giving them an opportunity to try out different things. Do I work better when I spread it out across the week or do I work better when I chunk it all into one day? And is that day better Saturday or Sunday? When do I like to have my rest? That's right. That's right. And we can collaborate with them. We can talk to them about, look, here's all the things that need to happen in a week to keep this household running. Mm -hmm. What things could you contribute to? Mm -hmm. Now they may say, well, I can't, or I can only do this one thing. And then we have to say, well, you know what? That's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's add a few things to that list, Mm -hmm. but at least they feel then like they have a voice and they have some input Mm -hmm. into the tasks that they take on. Mm -hmm. And then we give them some flexibility about when and how those things get done, Mm -hmm. but we do hold them accountable for those and say things like, you know, if you haven't gotten the tasks done, then social life is on hold. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are things just like you and I, right? We have to put our work first before our pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And helping our children sort of learn that as well can really serve them. Now, am I here to say that, you know, all that those lists of problems that we, we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, things like anxiety, depression, you know, online exposure to pornography, the time online, are those all going to be cured by chores? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not delusional, yeah. but they're an important piece of the mm-hmm. puzzle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, along with all the other things that we talked about, mm-hmm. having these open conversations, empathy, getting mm-hmm. our children support when they need it, getting us support. Yeah. 
when we need it. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a jumping off place and we could talk about any one of those in further detail. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I, as I'm listening to that and thinking about it, it's amazing the overlap between what we're talking about for leaders and their well-being. When you're leading a team at an office, you know, there are a very, very many commonalities there, obviously differences as well, but knowing yourself, taking care of yourself as a leader first yeah. so that you can then better have those open conversations so that you can better have that empathy in a situation where you that might not be your natural inclination. Yes. And, you know, being present for them, which obviously as the leader of a team in a workplace, you've got to be present, mm-hmm. right? And it's true for our teens as well. And I'm, I'm going to steal a phrase by my colleague, Casey O'Rourke. She talks about the importance of being fiercely committed, lovingly detached with our teens. Casey's brilliant. And I think that phrase is... It really sums up what is required of us as parents in these tween and teen years, Mm -hmm. right? We've got to show up. We've Mm -hmm. got to be present for them, but we also have to recognize this is an appropriate time for them to push back away from us. Mm -hmm. They are Mm -hmm. dealing with a whole lot of things and we cannot control or dictate the outcome. Mm -hmm. And for many of us, especially you know, like women that listen to your podcast Mm -hmm. who are in leadership, maybe a little bit of that type A, of course, like to be in control. Mm -hmm. That's a really uncomfortable position Mm -hmm. to be in when it comes to our children, because Mm -hmm. we can't control them. Mm -hmm. We cannot control their journey. We cannot control how hard or easy it is for them. And let's be honest, that's, that sucks, right? <laughs> that doesn't feel good. It's hard to watch them struggle. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of showing up, but also not taking things personally, mm-hmm. it's a hard balance to strike. But I think when we can do that, it actually eases our relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Like it makes it easier for us. It makes it easier for mm-hmm. them and can be really helpful in managing all these different challenges that we've that we've listed. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not easy. I I think definitely takes a lot of work on our part, a lot of inner work. I love that goal. I love thinking about that. And if you could repeat that quote one more time, because I think that's just a, a great place to end this part of our conversation. Yeah. So once again, I'll give credit to Casey Mm O'Rourke for this, but it's the idea of being fiercely committed and lovingly detached. Hmm. And right. That's that push, pull, kind, firm Mm -hmm. balance that we strike as leaders or try to strike as leaders. And parenting is just another form of leadership. Mm -hmm. And so striking that balance can make a world of difference for us and our, our teens. Right. And a world of difference that is so needed in these days, as we talked about. Well, because when we make a difference in our little corner of the world and the parent next door makes a difference in their little corner of the world and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the folks listening to this conversation, each working to make that difference for their children, we build a healthier world, Mm -hmm. you know, and what we know is that connection is critical 
lack of connection kills. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're based in Texas. We had, you know, we're having this conversation only a couple of weeks after the horror in Uvalde. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything about the, the young man that committed that, you know, atrocity, but I know I, I can tell you without doubt that that was a kid who didn't feel connected, mm-hmm. who didn't feel good, who didn't feel, who didn't get enough of, you know, empathy and love mm-hmm. and unconditional support and all those things that we've talked mm-hmm. about. And that got him to obviously a really dark place. So it's not an exaggeration to say, you know, connection is critical. It's the cure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and finding ways to connect with our teens can be hard, but we've got mm-hmm. to do it. And lack of connection kills, right? That's where we see events like that. It's where we see an increase in suicidality. And that, that's what was taken away from our kids in the mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so being really aware of that and helping them build that back up mm-hmm. and being there and connecting with them where they are, not Mm -hmm. where we want them to be, Mm -hmm. not where we think they should be, not where we were when we were their age, Mm -hmm. but connecting with them where they are. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for this. I know that we could talk much longer about that, but I definitely want to make sure everyone knows where they can learn about all of the resources that you talked about at the beginning as well. If they are interested in in learning more about how they can work with you, where's the best place to go? Yeah. So the best place to go right now is my website, which Mm -hmm. is theheartfulparent.com. If anyone goes to theheartfulparent.com slash lead, Mm -hmm. they can download a a guide on sort of how to parent through almost any challenge that we're facing with our kids. And it works with little kids and it Mm -hmm. works with teenagers. And so that resource will be available to folks. Well, thank you for making that available. And we'll make sure that your website gets linked as well as some of those other resources that you mentioned from experts that you respect in the field as well. So yes. we'll put it, put it all in the show notes, make sure it's easy to access. And just thank you again for being part of the Moms That Lead community and coming back and talking to us. We really appreciate it. Oh, Terry, thank you so much for having me back. I really, this is an important conversation and I'm honored to be a part of it. Such an important conversation. Which one of Christy's tips resonated with you the most? We'd love to hear about it on Instagram at We Are Moms That Lead or on LinkedIn. We'll see you next week for a conversation with author, speaker, and coach Laura Jack about how to lead when people are grieving. Until next time, lead with love.